The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with RotoWire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. Good to be talking with you, James. Uh, your dynasty rankings, which you have taken over from Ian Kahn at the, the site, just up your first iteration and want to just spend the podcast going over those and we'll establish the parameters that you were working under uh, momentarily. But how are you doing today on this Wednesday? I'm pretty fried, man. Um, I I apologize in advance if I am a little like not all there for this one, uh, but it feels good to have these things done. I I definitely remember why I uh, had Ian take him over in the first place. This is this is a monster um, undertaking, and it's one of those it's one of those projects where you just sometimes you look at it and you're like, this is pretty good. And then sometimes you look at it and you're just like, Oh man, I don't, I don't know about that. And um, you just do endless tweaking. Just, yeah. If you wanted yeah, to, it's yeah. like, I mean, I could look at it in like a week and I'd probably make a bunch of big changes. So it's, um, it's done. It's done for now. I'm not going to do another update for at least a few months, but, uh, put a lot of work into it. So hopefully it's, it's useful. Yeah, I know you were up early putting in a lot of time before this pod so that we had a full top 400 to talk about. Again, James has taken over the Dynasty rankings on the site, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. Uh, thanks to Ian for two great years of of service to us. Uh, we thank him and wish him luck as he is now exclusively with The Athletic. But James, your top 400 prospects, now Dynasty, you're really putting in work, man, and we appreciate it. I want to... Be, you know, I want to specify though that these dynasty rankings are for OBP leagues, correct? Yeah, I. A lot of people reached out after last week's podcast, where I was kind of soliciting feedback about which format 
people play in and, and kind of want the rankings tailored towards. And uh, that it, it definitely seems like in, in dynasty OBP has surpassed batting average as kind of the most popular format, uh, at least from the people that uh, I hear from. And I think OBP is probably the most uh, relatable one across formats because it, it translates better towards like points leagues than batting average does. And um, yeah, but I mean, I still, I still was able to have our, our great tech department add some arrows. So if you, if you do play in a batting average league, uh, you can hit the little show average league arrows button and it'll uh, for all the relevant hitters, or all the applicable hitters, it'll have a up or a down arrow next to them um, based on whether their value increases or decreases if you play in a in a batting average league. But um, yeah, I mean the OBP, I, like the dynasty leagues I play in, I think are probably like two thirds OBP. So um, I think that's kind of where the the, the market is is kind of headed, um, at least on the dynasty side of things. Yeah, I think this. It's very useful, especially with that show average league arrows icon. You get just easily click and see you know, how things would adjust if you are indeed still playing in an average league. My, most of my dynasty leagues are still a batting average, um, so I can easily do that. But also, this is two catchers, same as Ian's, right? Yeah, um, I you know I have been vocal in the past about not liking catchers and i you know i i still don't really like them but i i recognize that you know a lot of people play in leagues where 30 plus catchers are started and it it definitely adds sort of another element of um, skill and strategy to the mix and um you know i didn't go crazy like i didn't i didn't rank catchers that i sort of view as replacement uh, level catchers guys that you should be able to find on waivers during a season if you're paying attention but um ranked including prospects ranked over 20 catchers in the top 400 which was more than i would ever want to rank but uh you know you can really separate yourself if if you're in a 15 team league and everyone's got to start two catchers and you've got two of the better catchers I mean that that really really adds up over over a season over a, another team that might be kind of starting bottom of the barrel options at that position. Um, so uh, the the best ones definitely still uh, come at a premium. Yeah, absolutely. I know in our RotoWire Dynasty Invitational and a few others, uh, we've gone to one catcher and then the double util format. I like that personally, but I also think you know if you want to maximize the the wrinkles in your game and the amount of strategy and the amount of skill involved. Yeah. Finding, finding two good catchers, you know, it's not easy. So I get people wanting to stick by that format. Uh, I, I prefer the one catcher to you till personally, but James, when we've talked with Ian about these, he's mentioned, you know, premium placed on young bats, you do your prospect rankings in a similar way. And it seems like the same philosophy was applied here. The first pitcher, all the way down at 26. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's a change. I mean that, you know, when I was going through, I I have to update these in our admin. So I'm like sort of noticing which guys Ian was higher on than I was. And, uh, you know, he was, he, I think he had Shane Bieber in his top 10. Um, so I, I, I definitely squeezed more hitters in there before I feel the need to rank the first pitcher. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of all the, the, these whole rankings need to just be interpreted very loosely based on your team context and your league context. Like just because I have Shane Bieber ranked at 26 doesn't mean that in a certain team context, I wouldn't trade him for, one of the hitters that I have inside my top 20, like if, if I think, you know, turning like Francisco Lindor into Shane Bieber gives me uh, a good shot at taking home my league title, then I'll, I'll make that trade for sure. Um, mm. This is just, you know, everything being even, I'll, I'll take the, the, the hitters that I think are 
extremely safe and young and in their primes and uh, healthy. I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about this many times on the podcast before, but, um, I wouldn't, I would, I would definitely urge everyone to not just look at these and say, well, this guy's at 19 and this guy's at 22. So I need to trade the guy at 22 for the guy at 19 or anything like that. Like you definitely have to use your head and, and think about where your team's at and where your weaknesses are and where your competitive window is. Yeah, that's so important. And in the past, you have done like Dynasty Leagues geared toward rebuilders and those those who are competitive. And it does matter definitely where you're at in your competitive cycle in your Dynasty League. And when we've had Ian do these, he's written in the magazine that he's you know looking mostly putting a lot of weight on the next two to four years, but also looking generally the next you know, ten years down the road. He's he's considering that as part of the equation. Do you look at this and have a time frame in mind, or is it just kind of like, you know, just classic dynasty as far as, you know, you're, you're assuming your league's going to be around a while and you're you're looking for at least short term is is the emphasis. I mean, that's why it's, these are so hard, is because it just it again it just it totally depends on the specific team and the league and you know I mean there's just there's certain teams where you, you have like Max Scherzer on your roster, you have Nelson Cruz on your roster, like your, your time to win is now and you don't even care about two years from now, let alone four years from now. Mm-hmm. And then there's other situations where you're in a full rebuild and you've got like five or six top 10 prospects and you don't care about any of the guys that are probably only going to contribute in the next two years. You're looking three, four, five years down the road, like period. Like you don't, you just don't care about those older guys. So, um, you know, that, that's what makes these rankings so hard is you kind of, you definitely have to rely on the user to kind of use their head and, and think about where their team's at because, um, I mean, I definitely factor that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rank, um, a guy that's post prime, up with you know the very best guys but um you know in some case like i I ranked where i probably ranked jason dominguez inside the top 150 he's not going to reach the majors for like three four years at least uh i I mean the toughest guys to rank are those old guys like the max scherzer max scherzer is probably the toughest guy to rank because like i mean he could just be cooked at any moment but right now he's still an ace. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of, um, you're, you don't want to be caught with Max Scherzer on your roster when it's finally over for him, but you also don't want to get carried away and just say, I'm not going to touch Max Scherzer at all. But I mean, I kind of lean towards the side of when it, when a guy's getting up there like 36, 37, I'm probably going to try to get out a year too early than a year too late. But, um, you know, we've seen with plenty of these guys where they just kind of make it last a little bit longer than you expect. Yeah. It depends in large part what you want to do in your league. If you want to, you know, force that competitive window open, or if you want to look a few years down the road and in startups, you've said in the past, James, you like to play for year two, right? If you're starting a dynasty league from scratch, your, your emphasis is typically on year two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that's where you get the best values on in the draft is when you just are willing to just say, I'm, I'm definitely not going to win the league in year one. Then you can just cross a lot of guys off of your, your board and you're able to take guys where they probably should go from like a trade valuation standpoint because other managers are passing them over because they, they want to keep that window open in year one and don't want to close the book on it. So they're going to let value fall down the board a little bit. Um, so I, I just think you can get the most value uh, if you kind of say year two is kind of when I want to explore opening my competitive window and, you know, you work on trades and stuff during that off season in between year one, and year two to try to set yourself up for that. Uh, maybe you don't win the league in year two, but maybe you could cash or maybe you could at least set yourself up to be uh, the favorite heading into year three. Like, I, I think that that's uh, the best way to get the most amount of draft day value uh, in your startup draft is if you're just willing to say, I'm not going to win the first year of the league. Um, but 
you know, if you're playing in, um, like I just did a, a startup draft and, um, Matt Eddy from Baseball America and Brad Johnson from uh, Fangraphs were co-managing a team and they went uh, hard at winning it in year one. And like they took uh, Garrett Cole and Jacob deGrom and their first two picks and like they just put this monster team of stud veterans together that is is definitely the the odds on favorite to win the year win the league in year one. And if they win the league in year one, then they're going to both net like a couple grand or something like that. So, I mean, I, I definitely get the argument in certain situations to go for uh, the title in year one, but if things fall apart and things don't work out, then all of a sudden you've just got that really kind of painstaking, exhaustive, you know, retool, rebuild, whatever you want to say. Like it's just, it can be a, a real pain um, to go through if, if you've definitely set yourself up to try to win now and things don't go your way. Um, so I'd, I'd prefer to just try to keep a window open for as long as possible. And I think the best way to do that is to try to play for year two. It's pretty fascinating to see the different approaches in startup drafts for Dynasty. And in the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational, Ryan Bloomfield, who, by the way, just won FSWA Baseball Writer of the Year. So congrats, Ryan. Uh, from Baseball HQ, well-deserved. Uh, I love Ryan Bloomfield. Uh, he kind of took a win-now approach, and he won, what, the first two years in uh, the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational. Don't do what I did, by the way, and toe the line between now and the future, because uh, then you're just in no man's land. It's not not all that fun. I'm going to have to figure out what to do as far as maybe tear it down, James. Maybe maybe a full tear down. Let's <laughs> see. Um, started that by trading you guys, Herman Marquez. Anyway, let's get into these rankings. Starting with the very top guy, OBP leagues, this shouldn't catch anyone by surprise. Juan Soto, then Ronald Acuna right behind him. Fernando Tatis, Mike Trout still up there. He does get a red arrow, or not a red arrow, but an arrow down uh, when you hit a show average league arrows. Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger, a little bit of news regarding Bellinger recently as far as sounds like he's a little bit limited still. Expects to be fully healthy by the start of the season, and uh, sounds like you have real, no real concerns that he's only swinging left-handed or one-handed, I guess, right now. Well, I don't want Cody Ballinger in redraft. I, I don't think you should touch him in the first, I don't know, 20, 20 picks in redraft. Like I, I just I want no part of that. But um, in, in OBP dynasty, I mean, he's still 25. Like, the guy's that he would be contending with like the guys that could pass him are all at least two years older than him. And he's such a stud in OVP that I, I think you, you just suck it up and you take him there at six. If those first five guys are gone. Um, but I, you know, I think if you end up with Bellinger, like as your first pick in like a startup dynasty, you might want to consider playing for year two, because I do, again, like I said, I, I think it's going to be, uh, a rough first couple of months for him this year. And so I just, you know, this is, this is with an eye towards the future for sure. Our injury expert, Jeff Stotts was on our XM show recently. He had some of those same concerns with uh, Cody Bellinger coming off that injury in the NLCS, maybe getting off to a slow start. He had some historical comps. So definitely check out that article in the magazine, rotowire.com slash magazines. The only place to get yours. Congrats on putting that to rest last week, James. Uh, I'm excited to get those back. Uh, again, in that publication, Ian Kahn is still doing the Dynasty rankings. Just to clear up any confusion, he's on the site now officially back to James, and the, you will see that it says ranked by James Anderson uh, to reflect that change. Beyond Cody Bellinger, we got Trey Turner at seven. It is, again, these are for on-base leagues, but that speed still keeps him there. Then Christian Yelich, Bryce Harper, Eloy Jimenez. You are still a, a firm believer in Yelich. Uh, it was a very small sample. He'll have that in-game video back. And the Brewers kind of, you know, they haven't done a lot, but I do expect them to be competitive in that division uh, this year and moving forward. Yeah. Um, I I hope they sign Justin Turner. I think that'd be great. Um, the, Boy, would you give him a four-year deal? Hell yeah, it's not my money. <laughs> I'd, I'd give him a seven-year deal. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I'll that's give a, a good point. 
Um, be paying him till he's forty some, but that's all right. Again, hate, not your money. Dude, I, quit a quick rant. Like I hate these people that are on Twitter, like analyzing contracts. Like that's too much money. Like that's too much money. Like why? Why do you care? Like the, yeah. the owner can afford that. Like that's going to the player instead of the owner. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, you'll see a lot of that uh, kissing up to the owners on Twitter. But yeah, I. I'm for Justin Turner in Milwaukee if that happens. I know these he's not the first the Brewers are not the first choice. He wants to go back. Uh but it sounds like the Brewers, you know, they're always just sneaky good and Yelich uh, is such a small sample. You seem to be you know completely wiping away his 2020 and I think that's probably probably right. But I am a little surprised to see him over like Eloy and Bichette. Uh Jose Ramirez 12, Vlad Jr. 13. Uh, did you have any trouble ranking Vlad? Was that one where you went up and down, or did you have a pretty good uh, idea where you wanted to slot Vlad into these? Vlad Guerrero. No, that was that one was pretty easy. I mean, I I, I think uh, I mean the the stuff near the top is probably the easiest part of the rankings. Honestly, I mean, you're not. I don't think you're going to screw up anything uh, by by taking any of these guys. Um, my screw up by taking Trevor's story fifteenth. I'll just say that. No, I I know you're a story believer, even if he leaves Colorado. Well, I just think people are over characterizing the risk. Like I, I mean, I think you could if you just knew Trevor Story was gonna be in Colorado for the next four years, I think you could make a case for him inside the top seven or eight. So uh, Fair. I uh yeah, I I see what you're saying there. Um. Yeah, I just I'm worried that he could be gone pretty soon. He he could still be okay elsewhere, but yeah, I'm a little surprised to see him there. Uh, Luis Robert Robert, you you corrected me. It is indeed Robert, so we'll we'll adhere to that. Corey Seager 17, Francisco Lindor 18, Freddie Freeman 19, Alex Bregman 20. We didn't touch on this. We kind of just. You know, it's it's a huge story, but we don't have anything actionable yet. But Eno Saris, Ken Rosenthal reporting that they're going to dejuice the ball, uh, deaden the ball. Any initial reactions to that? Uh, the Freeman was the guy who, you know, popped that idea into my head because, of course, his power numbers have exploded uh, since the ball's been a little juicy. I don't. I mean, I I think it's obvious like if it's actually deadened then i think if you know who to upgrade and downgrade and everything i just i don't i don't believe anything mlb says about anything like that so like i just (laughs) and i don't know how long they're gonna like even if they deaden it like who's to say that they don't change their minds and juice it again like two months into the season like i just like if you're if you're gonna take rob manford at his word then like you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna buy a, a lot of bs yeah, I got a bridge to sell you if you're going to take him at his word. Uh, the first prospect on the list, we know your number one prospect, so Wander Franco at 24, and then right behind him, Julio Rodriguez, uh, Marco Luciano not far behind them at 29, uh, Jared Kelnick 33. Um, I'm excited to see these guys, and I, I think it's interesting that you have Rodriguez over Kelnick, even though we most expect to see Kelnick you know, well ahead of, of Julio Rodriguez. Um, again, Luciano Devers in, in this group too. Jacob deGrom, the second pitcher listed, uh, behind Shane Bieber. Then, third, third, oh, third. third, I'm sorry. Oh, I missed, uh, yeah, Cole's is, is 28. Sorry. Uh, deGrom, Bueller, uh, Giolito, Anthony Rendon, Arenado, Woodruff, Brandon Woodruff, Aaron Judge, Zach Gallon, Aaron Nola, Luis Castillo. So a, a ton of hitters. And then there are quite a few pitchers in this range. Uh, basically you just going down and acting as if this were a draft that you're doing essentially and, and adding these guys there. Uh, Nola, I'm a little surprised cause I, I thought you were not really a big Nola guy, Aaron Nola. Yeah. You know, I was doing, uh, some, uh, draft prep with, um, very preliminary prep with Todd Whitestone, who I do some NFBC leagues with and, uh, he was like, so what, what don't you like about Nola? And then I was just kind of, I like looked at everything and spent like 15 minutes. Like, and I was like, yeah, no, you're right. Um, I mean, I, I sort of, I was kind of, uh, 
you know, getting out in front of trying to prevent myself from buying into NOLA off of what I sort of perceived as like, a, you know, career year probably from a strikeout standpoint last year. Um, but I think I was sort of uh, underselling in my own head sort of how reliable he's been. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't think I would end up with Nola necessarily uh, at this with this ranking. Like I, I think, you know, I think he he goes ahead of Woodruff and Gallon in, in probably most startup drafts. So I wouldn't necessarily expect to get Nola based on this ranking, but I, I think I was sort of maybe underselling him. Um, I mean, we don't talk about guys like Nola a ton on this podcast, but I probably undersold him a little bit maybe on like the XM show and stuff when we talk redraft. Yeah, maybe I did too. The whip projections always kind of like scare me off a little bit, but he has been solid. I just have him, you know, a tier behind like Luis Castillo and those types, Giolito. Uh, then Trevor Bauer behind all those names you mentioned, Castillo, Nola, Woodruff. Of course, Bauer landing with the Dodgers. Now, he is 30, so age factoring into this. Anything else that makes you a little bit lower on Bauer? It's just, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have the track record of the rest of these guys. I mean, he's been mediocre in like two of the last four years. I know, I know that he hasn't been using um, the sticky in like for his entire sticky career. Icky. So, um, Ooh yeah, I, you know, it's just this is it, either this is the high point in Trevor Bauer's fantasy value, or he's headed to the hall of fame so like i'm probably gonna bet that this is the high point of his value so um if he if he goes out there and puts puts out another like two era and sub 0.8 whip then i'll eat some crow but i just i mean the the track record on him just doesn't really stack up to these other guys but I, i still think i'm being plenty generous ranking him inside the top 45 yeah. Dynasty. yeah, there's no reason I think he's going to stop using the sticky icky and put himself back at a disadvantage. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. He's had, what, two really good years, so I, I get it. I um, Yeah, he, him in Los Angeles is just scary. Uh, kind of unfair. He also, just, he also got to just really um, Do his take thing. advantage of the, the schedule last year. I yeah, um, that's central – yeah, you know, both central divisions Not, were horrible. I mean, these other guys did too, but like, I mean, he now he's going to have the Padres and he's got Coors, and you know, I mean, it's yeah, I hear bit. you. Uh, number forty-five, right behind Trevor Bauer, is Trent Grisham. And James, you know, you're not a salesman, but I'm I'm going to ask you to sell me on Trent Grisham at this spot because Tim Anderson, uh, JT Realmuto, Michael Conforto, Spencer Torkelson. Andrew Vaughn, a lot of really good names. Obviously, at, at 45, you'd expect a lot of good names behind him. But what's your pitch for Trent Grisham long-term, this spot in an on-base dynasty league? Well, the on-base part is is the key there. Uh, he always has walked at a high rate, even when he wasn't doing damage in the minors, when, he, when the Brewers had him change his grip. Like, he was still walking at really high rates, and uh, I think he's going to continue to walk at really high rates. I think he's going to lead off for one of the three or four best lineups in the game for the foreseeable future. And I think he's going to, you know, flirt with going 30, 20, um, with an OBP over three fifty. So I, I it wasn't, I didn't think, I didn't have to think too much about it. I mean, I know like I would take Tim Anderson over him all day in a batting average league, but, Grisham's going to probably double Tim Anderson's walk rate. So, yeah, maybe it was the way Trent Grisham finished the season. I'm trying to uh, look at. Yeah, he had a pretty good September, actually, at 384 on base. So I don't know what it is in my head that you know I'm just a little skeptical about him. He had that great run, but I don't see him as a as well, far as talent level being in the same class. Part, part of why I think it's easy for me is because like I. I was kind of all in on him before he, the Brewers even called him up for his big league debut. Mm-hmm. Like his, uh, 
his 2019 like double A and triple A like he was just ridiculous. Um, I do remember that, so I'll give you credit for that. And Gallon, you were on before anybody. So like for me, it's not like a, it's not like Grisham was just crazy in this weird pandemic season. Like, I mean, he would have been in my top 100 heading into this past season. Um, so it's you know. Yeah, I hear you. I uh, maybe I have a mental hurdle to get over with Trent Grisham. I, you know, that postseason error and then getting traded, getting dumped off by Milwaukee, and I just, I guess, I just have a hard time putting him in this range of players with uh, some pretty elite players in Major League Baseball. Maybe he deserves to be there. A real quick note from BetMGM: Sports betters know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action. And apply the right amount of expertise. That's why BetMGM has teamed up with RotoWire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six month RotoWire subscription when they place their first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website and use promo code ROTO, that's R O T O, to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you receive a season's length of RotoWire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sports books. By signing up and placing your first bet today, visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, and New Jersey only. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. James, back to your dynasty rankings here. Updated top 400, taking these over from Ian Kahn, and these are geared toward on-base leagues, two-catcher. And we're just working our way down the list, man. These are, are fresh to the site, just posted uh, within the last hours we're recording this. Uh, Bobby Witt. Checking in at number 63, of course, a guy we're yet to see. Uh, he kind of is, is slotting in right behind a, a big group of pitchers uh, that includes, you know, Plesak, Corbin Burns, Glass now, Jack Flaherty. Uh, Bobby Witt, not a lot of uh, upper-level experience yet, and I, I'm trying to see if, if I can find your ETA for him, but definitely a long-term play, right, even with the – even with the Royals kind of opening up their competitive window? Well, you would think that he wouldn't be up this year uh, just based on his experience. Um, they were kind of, I mean, they, they were just talking about him in very outlandish ways uh, just in terms of how, how impressive he was this past summer. And He will be with the team for of, big league camp, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he's the most talented position player in this in this entire organization. And, like, their G, like Dayton Moore has got out of his way to say that he's the most impressive, like, player he's ever been around. So, Jeez. like, it's, it's definitely 2022 as, like, kind of a everything-goes-normal type of ETA. And I wouldn't... I'm not even to the point where I would take wit in a draft and hold. I, I do think it's, it's quite unlikely that he's up this year, but I don't think he's like a 2023, 2024 type of guy. Like I think he's, he might be a guy that's just getting a ton of redraft buzz next year as a guy that could get, you know, maybe an extension and, and break camp with the team in 2022. Yeah. I did not know that they were speaking so glowingly about him. The I know that's, Sometimes a lot of just, you know, managerial speak or what have you, um, hyperbole. But at the same time, that's, that's good to hear that they're, you know, liking what they're seeing from Bobby Witt and make it somewhat aggressive with him. Uh, below him on the list, Dylan Carlson at 66, Clayton Kershaw 67, a little bit lower, Alex Kirilov 71. Carlos Correa 74, he had that huge postseason. Sounds like he wants to be in. Houston long term, uh, regular season was a stark contrast to that playoff run. But 
more than anything, performance-wise, is just the ability to stay on the field. It's been lacking. He's still only 20, what, 25, 26 maybe now? Um, yeah, 26. 26. Yeah. And you know, t- players typically don't get healthier with age, but uh, you're not quite willing to write off Cray as a top, you know, perennial top 100 type of guy. He's just – he's really – like he's the type of guy that I I guarantee I won't have any Carlos Correa in redraft, but the age and the production when he's healthy kind of changes the equation a little bit in dynasty. I I mean you just you know that he's going to be good when he plays for the next like six seven years, so you don't know how much he's going to play over that time span. But you know we we've seen. It's hard to it's hard to know really what his true ceiling is if he can't cheat anymore, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he'll find another way to start cheating, or I, I don't know. Like he, he's he's twenty six. He might he, need to find been, another way to start cheating. When he's been good, he's been really really good, and you just get to a point where you start like, am I going to rank Kevin Biggio over him? Like, am I going to rank? Um, yeah, I, there's. There's good players after him, but at a certain point, you just have to look at the talent level and the age and, and throw him throw him in here somewhere. Like, yeah, it's I, hard I'm to not, believe he's not, only 26. Honestly, well, it's it's hard to believe. Like, you go to his like Fangraphs page, and I mean, he's accomplished so much uh, for for a guy who just you know he's got his stands on Twitter and stuff, but he you know for a guy who really kind of gets talked about probably more negatively than positively these days. Like he's, he's accomplished a lot as a professional baseball player. And I, I have to imagine there's, there's more still to come. I mean, guess, can you guess how many wins above replacement he's been worth in his career to date, according to Fangrass? Hmm. I'm going to say 14, 19.4. Wow. That's, that's impressive. He just needs to hire a new masseuse. Take it easy on him. Not crack a rib. <laughs> He's getting a massage. That was weird. Just kind of some weirdness going on with him. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. He could he could maybe uh, be worth that spot in a dynasty. I just I you know the games played just scare me off from him, and not only in in dynasty but redraft as well. well really quickly, I I want to say like. Uh, this isn't it's not for everyone but i've uh i'm in two leagues now not even counting our auto new league which is daily moves but i'm in i'm in two daily moves uh dynasty leagues now and i'm kind of falling in love with the format i know it's it's a ton of work obviously every you know you're checking it ideally you're checking it every day uh and at the very least you have to set your lineup in advance for the days you're not going to check it. But that I just love it uh, because there's just so much more strategy involved and so much more skill involved because you don't have to take a zero when a guy like Correa uh, suffers an injury on like a Wednesday or something. And you're, it, it makes such a greater percentage of the player pool have value. Like, like I have like Jordan Luplo in that league and like G Man Choi and Yandy Diaz and stuff just because I can plug them in when they when they have the platoon advantage and um, it gives relievers a lot of value because you can have them in when your starters aren't pitching that day and uh, it's it's not for everyone but if you're really into dynasty I would I would strongly recommend trying to join a, a daily moves league because that that really takes all the luck out of the equation um and you're just you're starting healthy guys every day you're you're starting your guys when they have the best chance to succeed and um you don't have to ever deal with starting someone like on a two-step where they have a terrible matchup and a good matchup you can just sit them for that bad matchup yeah i hear you man i can't do that myself but god bless you not for you you. i wasn't talking to you i was talking to the listeners i know no i know i know i just I can't do it, man. Daily moves, I just you, you miss a day, and then you're like, ah, screw. <laughs> or you well, miss like a few days, and you say screw it, and then you're just you're sol after like three days if you miss them. I can I go on another mini rant like the 
the COVID, is, like, I'm still kind of on tilt for something that happened in the staff keeper basketball league earlier this week hmm. because there was like Drew Holiday got scratched at 8:15 Central, and like the game started at like 8:30, and he's gonna miss the whole week with COVID, and like I just have to take a zero for that. Like, like weekly leagues oh. during the COVID era, like in in all sports, but especially the the NBA where they don't release these lineups till like right before tip off. It's just ridiculous. But uh, there yeah. we go. Rant over. I'm wondering though, in that daily moves dynasty league or leagues that you're doing is it daily pickups too or just daily roster changes or daily Um, active lineup changes i think uh there's i think there's like a waiver waivers element or something i mean these leagues are so deep that you know the guys available to be picked up are all not very (laughs) you can't really you could you could cycle relievers but you're not there's not much of an edge to be gained by just playing that game. I see. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I just, you know, the first come first serve in particular, you know, just, I think that kind of takes away some of the skill and adds just, Oh, if you're around and not doing anything. Yeah. Um, none. Of, I don't think any of the leagues I play on are first come first serve. That's good. That's kind of the one total deal, deal breaker for me. I am doing the auto new, um, Staff league again that is daily moves, but past few years have just <laughs> fallen out of it because it's so hard to keep up. And uh, even when you're doing this for a living, it can be hard if you miss a day or two and then you're playing catch up and just, yeah, it's hard to win a league like that. Uh, Luis Severino James on your dynasty list here at 99. Um, I'm not going to ask you, you know, make you defend this, but I, I am looking at him with a little bit of a skeptical eye. On track to return late summer, they're saying. Uh, another guy who's still young, only, well, he's going to turn 27 here later this month. But um, any reason in particular? Have you gotten good reports on Severinos or anything that you've seen that maybe I haven't that makes you encouraged by Severino? Um, well, you know, I have Noah Syndergaard at 98, so two Tommy John guys back to back there. Um, Obviously, there's an element of risk with guys coming back from Tommy John surgery, but I'd much success rate's draft, pretty high. I'd much rather draft Syndergaard or Severino than Danielson Lamette, who's going to probably have to have Tommy John surgery here. Like, you know, at least at least these guys are going to come back and pitch this year, and you cross your fingers that they don't have to have it again. Um, I mean, there's been examples on both sides of the coin for guys just coming back from Tommy John and just going on to have have awesome uh, post Tommy John runs. And you know, sometimes you have a Jameson Tyon situation where a guy needs a second one, and then you're you're kind of SOL. But uh, I just think both those guys have top ten, top twelve. Uh, starter upside and it could be as soon as 2022 and like i if you're if you're not trying to compete this year like these are the types of guys you should be trying to go trade for uh right now because um i mean we i think we've seen like with Syndergaard, he was pitching i, I don't think he was at 100 percent necessarily um the last time last season we saw him but like with with Severino like we've seen like he's a guy that remember like when all the warning flags were there and it was like he's probably gonna need Tommy John and people still kept taking him like way inside the top 100 like that's how good he was people wanted people thought they were getting a bargain there I mean they weren't but like it wasn't that long ago this was a guy that was a, a no doubt sp1 and I don't I mean I don't do you assume he's just not going to get back there or, or what? No, I don't assume that. But I do have concerns about what the level will be like post-surgery. And it was something where I remember he came to camp and like tried to throw one like breaking pitch or something, and it was immediately like he's toast. And it's just been something that was an issue long before the surgery. Hopefully the surgery takes care of it, but uh, it's just been so long since we've seen him dominating. Remember when I traded him? For uh, Tim Anderson, everybody was aghast at your bachelor yeah. party. <laughs> that was that was a that was one of the great trades in dynasty league history because 
it happened on crapped uh, on me yeah it, it, i think it happened on like a pontoon boat while we were <laughs> like nursing a hangover i might have been uh, passed out on the pontoon boat yeah but that uh, trade happened okay, and was, people were a little you know people thought i got ripped off or that i was just an idiot no. How about that? That's, I've I mean, you were <laughs> you were ahead of the game. You knew you knew to trade your pitchers before they got hurt back then. And <laughs> and my my buddy Josh, he was he was chasing the that that upside with Severino. I get it. I just I just remember the reaction. It worked out okay for me, but still haven't won the league, so it hasn't worked out that great. <laughs> Uh, DJ LeMayhew, he's the guy I'm worried about with the deadening of the ball. He already was a huge overperformer by most metrics last year, but you have him 114, so not not too high, not too aggressive, but uh, right ahead of Jason Dominguez. Big boy, we'll see what he can do uh, as he gets more professional experience. Steven Strasburg, Starling Marte, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Lance McCullers, then Josh Hader, 120. I do not believe he's the first reliever. I, I think I saw a couple others. Am I right? Uh, he is. I, is he? Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry to – obviously, these just got posted, so I haven't really had a chance to look over them. But, okay, so he is the first reliever all the way down at, at 120. Uh, could be traded, but he could also close wherever he ends up. Uh, J.D. Martinez, another guy who will be getting the in-game video back. Austin Riley at 124 I think is interesting because um, – some ch- some improvements that didn't necessarily show up in the in the overall stat line last year, right? Yeah, I mean, Todd Zola wrote a great article, um, kind of cautioning against just assuming it's all rosy with Riley. But uh, I, to me, like the the number one development last year with Riley is just that he cut his strikeout rate from. 36.4% to 23.8%. Like that's, that's big news. That's pretty big uh, be, because if he like, and I don't even care. Like if, if he gets bet, if it's like 26, 27% with Riley, I don't really care. Like as long as it's out of the thirties, uh, still just 23 years old. I mean, I, I think this is more. This is more about the player I think he'll be when he's 25 years old than the player I think he'll be in 2021. But I, you know, I think he's going to be a part of one of the best lineups in the game for a long time, and will be in a run-producing spot there for a long time. And just you know, getting showing that he could strike out at an acceptable clip for a lengthy period of time is is a big achievement. So um, there's, there's going to be some growing pain still with Austin Riley. Like, I don't think this is the year that he cements himself as like one of the best hitting third baseman in the game or anything like that. But uh, I'm, I'm encouraged and I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, heading forward. JJ Blade at 142. He was the player I got eyes on when I went to, to Florida in 2019. And, you know, small sample. I was not really that impressed by what I saw. You try to erase that from your mind because you don't want that firsthand bias to be warping your your mentality. But he really hasn't shown much at the pro level yet. Just you know, thirty eight games. But am I wrong in thinking maybe he's getting by a little bit on on the pedigree and, and where he was drafted? Um. Well, I think he. I think he's in better shape now than he was when you saw him. And I think he, uh, I mean, all the reports coming out of their alternate site are very, very encouraging with him. I mean, I, I have I not I'd, seen any of those. So that's, that's good. I might've messaged. I think I maybe messaged like, you know, our buddy Craig Mish is plugged in with the Marlins as anyone. And, uh, yeah, I mean he—he's the guy. Like he—he he is the unquestioned guy that they are building around in that outfield. Like the rest of the guys, um, they and they've got a lot of exciting outfield prospects and guys who have been sort of hanging around and stuff. But Blade is going to probably debut this year. Like I, I think he, I think uh, he probably opens at AAA and debuts in like June or July. Um, and you know they sent him to the. Florida State League and he was 
like you said, I mean, he maybe wasn't that impressive um, when you saw him, but he was still better than league average, and he was assigned to a more advanced level than either Adley Rutschman or Andrew Vaughn that year. And so, you know, you kind of have to look at the context. I mean, he was coming off, you know, a lot of guys don't show that well when they're coming off of a long college season. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. So I, I think he's, he's someone that I was too low on in the past. Um, and I think I, I underrated just how good a shape he's in and just how good of an athlete he is, uh, you know, I mean, he's not going to play center field, but I think he could in a pinch. Like, I think that's that's the type of uh, athlete he is. And, and he's a guy that projects to be a middle-of-the-order hitter. That's encouraging. And I know you did a lot of digging, which is great for the magazine. I just haven't seen these reports myself. But you uh, put in a lot of work digging around the Internet for, for the profiles in our magazine. So thank you. And thanks to Craig Mish for sharing some of that insight. I, had, I just when. When a guy like that hasn't been seen on the field for a while, you just you just don't know, and that's a pretty pretty high rank. So I wanted to, to find out what you uh, knew that none of us none of us did. Uh, Trevor Larnick down at two hundred six. A lot of people talking about Kirilov, us included. Love Kirilov as a fifth outfielder type, and especially in draft and hold with the deep benches. You mean that you're not really being hurt by stashing a player for a few weeks? Is Larnock maybe a guy who's fallen under the radar with so much hype on Kirilov? Well, I think all the hype on Kirilov is warranted. I see the the Twitter the stuff I see on Twitter is people trying to make the case that Larnock is just as good as Kirilov, and that like people are sleeping on Larnock and like that these two are about the same and that like you shouldn't talk about Kirilov without mentioning Larnick. And I don't, so I, I think he's a little overrated in some huh. circles now, now for, for OBP, I like him a lot. Um, I mean, people, I don't know, maybe people think I'm too low on him at two Oh six, but I, he's a big guy. He's like six, four. He's got long arms. Uh, he struck out too much at double a quite frankly like I, I don't i don't think you can look at that given his age and say that that was in line with what you would have necessarily expected from him i think he's gonna strike out he's gonna be like one of those 28 percent strikeout guys i think um just given how big he is but i mean the power is massive problem is he might end up being like a dh type uh left field dh something like that and the twins obviously have plenty of those guys so um kirilov is easier to kind of fit in and i think kirilov is clearly got the better hit tool of the two uh the power power edge honestly like if you watch them take bp i mean i, I could see larnock actually looking like maybe the better power hitter but in terms of game power uh kirilov i, I you know i think he's he's the total package Nice. 211, Jazz Chisholm. Not a great debut for him, but you still uh, like his prospects long-term. Still still very young. 215, Asa Lacey. Do you think we see Lacey uh, debut with the Royals this year? I don't think so. You know, he... I wouldn't rule it out, but their, their system is so fun. Like, I find myself doing these... Um, Actually, I just I just took Asalasi in a first year player draft at the tenth pick, and I was happy to get him there. But um, I've been ending up with all kinds of Royals pitching prospects, and they have a they have a handful that are probably waiting in line ahead of Lacey to get their shot. So I would expect Daniel Lynch to break through uh, in in June or something like that. I would expect Jackson Cower to break through around the same time. So it's going to be sink or swim for the guys that open the year in that rotation. Like I, I would expect Brad Keller and Brady Singer and Mike Miner to be safe. You know, Chris Bubich is probably safe. Um, but like I could see everyone else in there. Like if you're not performing, you're going to be short for that rotation and someone will probably get hurt at some point as well. So um, they just have so many young pitchers who are, who are trying to get into that rotation. I think Asa Lacey, uh, well, he did go to the alternate site. I don't think he, um, 
yeah, I think they'd like to get him a full year in the minors probably and let some of these other guys debut ahead of him. You know, I was thinking maybe Bubich could use some more time back on the farm because he was looking like a pretty impressive prospect, right? Uh, and then he struggled big time at the major league level. They may need him, but uh, he's a guy that I feel like. Well, he he's just he the it, honestly one of those guys where it was a testament to how good he was at the alternate site that he even got a look because he had never played um, above like high A, right? Yeah, I think, he, I think he skipped double A and triple A altogether. So, I mean, Bubich, like, Singer's more floor than ceiling. Bubich is more floor than ceiling. Those guys debuted ahead of the guys that had the ceiling. Um, so I, I still think they view Bubich as, like, their number five starter and maybe Brady Singer as their number three starter. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe Bubich loses out on a rotation spot if he isn't. Um, firing on, on all cylinders this spring, but um, I, I think he'll go to camp with one of those rotation spots being his to lose. Very nice. 284 Kikuchi, you say Kikuchi. Seen him get a lot of love on Twitter lately. We were the first to be pounding that drum. Uh, it's a pretty obvious guy to be on this year at his ADP. <laughs> wait, wait, man. People have, people have figured out? Yeah. Not... Crack the Kikuchi code? Yep. People are finally seeing that FIP getting all, all in on him. But no, I, I do like him quite a bit this year. And I love seeing that Joey Votto's still hanging on to a spot on this list in the, on an on-base. Yeah, it's uh, all about incurred. the OVP. I mean, that, <laughs> he would be he would be uh, nowhere to be found if this was for batting average. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Not a lot of Reds making the list. That's a little bit uh, troubling. TJ Anton, though, at 353. That's nice. Uh, James, we're pushing up on an hour here. Anything else you want to mention? I don't want to keep you too long because um, I know you've been up putting a ton of time into these. Uh, so anything else you want to say before we sign off? Uh, I got an article that will probably be coming early next week, just kind of providing some analysis. And I mean, there's no analysis other than this podcast, but um, – in the meantime, hit me up on Twitter if you have any specific questions or you can tell me which guys I'm wrong about or whatever. I'm sure I'm sure there are plenty of those. Um, but, yeah, I'm just uh, glad that these are done. I can't wait to um, – I don't know if I'm going to take a nap or eat some food or what. but uh, <laughs> You deserve yeah, some you time, buddy. <laughs> yeah, thanks for all the hard work, James. Check this out. A lot to sift through, a lot to – a nitpick here, and I'm sure you will be getting some people on your case about a few of these rankings. James, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.